Greetings of the day and welcome back to Equity Ed Talk, the podcast where Dr. Linda Nathan sits down with experienced educators to talk about how they center equity in their work. In today's podcast, we will focus on understanding adaptive challenges, how they differ from technical challenges, and how do we go about working through them. Today, we'll hear from Juan Moore, Executive Director of the Center for Artistry and Scholarship, and Dr. Rardi Pena, who is a high school principal of a public school in Massachusetts. Welcome to episode four. Hola, Juan. Gracias, gracias. I'm so happy to do this with you. As you know, I'm talking a lot this month, or I guess forever, about adaptive challenges. And you and I do a lot of teaching about that. We've been thinking about it in international contexts. We've been thinking about it in local contexts. So I'd love to just start with you first by you saying, ¿Quién eres? Who are you? And then I'll ask you my first question. Thanks for doing this. Hi, Linda. Thanks for the invitation. I am Juan Mora. I am the Executive Director of the Center for Artistry and Scholarship. And Linda and I have been working together for many, many years, um, working with, with school leaders and leadership teams that want to explore how to adapt, actually, how to transform their practice and their schools. I think it's like the hardest thing in schools and school districts. You know, it's one thing to have the wonderful Heifetz book that we teach, but it's another thing to actually adapt. So let's just start with the basics. How do you define an adaptive challenge? Well, you know, it's nice if we compare adaptive challenges to to technical challenges the way Heifetz does in the book. So technical challenges are, are challenges that, that exist out in the world that are um, that are highly technical in scope. So there's a solution out there. You can identify the problem. You can identify the solution. And if you have the means or the resources necessary, you can usually acquire or purchase or, or bring in the outside solution. Whereas adaptive challenges are kind of all of the opposites. You have a hard time understanding the problem. I certainly don't know where the solution can come from. Often the solution can come from a change or an adaptation or a or a mindset um, shift from the people involved. So it is trickier and and perhaps most importantly, there's a resistance to to that adaptation because usually the adaptive work requires you to lose something or to shift away from your comfort zone. So it's more challenging because it's less safe and less certain than a technical problem. I really appreciate that. And talk to me about an adaptive challenge that you've been involved with either recently or in your own work. Yeah, I'll give you a specific adaptive challenge, but I think one that we can all quickly recognize is the adaptive challenge of dealing with the pandemic when we were all in the pandemic, right? We all had to, regardless of whether you were a student, a parent, an administrator, or a teacher, you had to do things differently. And I think we all saw that folks that really tried to do things the way they had always done them had a really hard time. Mm -hmm. Whereas people who were willing to try different things um, eventually found things that worked. But here's a a more recent, uh, a post-pandemic, if you you will, challenge. Many international schools have tended to shift um, their athletic 
departments or their culture around athletics from a highly competitive culture to a more inclusive, process-oriented, whole child development culture. So the emphasis is not so much on winning or on competing and being the best at, but rather making, creating space for everybody to participate and for different skills to be able to develop and grow in the process, which has been great for education community. Less readily accepted and um, appreciated by parents or families or even the most athletic competitive kids who just really want to shine in their sport. And now suddenly they're, they feel like the culture around them changed and they really weren't offered uh, a say in the new culture. So it's really a big adaptation for everybody. But I think key to this process and key to, I think, the theory behind adaptive challenge um, and adaptive leadership work is that if we, if we did not provide tools for the families to find value in the new culture, then we didn't do the right work, right? Because we expect them to value a culture of inclusion, but if we didn't do any work to work with them so that they would value the change, then they only perceive the loss. They're, they haven't gained anything. No, that's really, really helpful. I, I think that's, and that's what's hard about getting to, when I ask people to articulate the adaptive challenge they're working on, often they go to the technical challenge because to articulate the adaptive challenge requires you to really slow down and ask a whole lot of questions you hadn't even thought about. Talk with your stakeholders, understand who your stakeholders are, and understand what's the shift you're trying to make. I, I absolutely, and I think. Uh, well, if you don't mind, I, I let me ask you because I know that you, as a leader, were often very comfortable creating new cultures in your schools, and I'm sure that in order to do so you had to invite folks to slow down and to look at multiple perspectives and to see value in the new instead of holding on to the old. Do, does anything come to mind when you think about the way you created adaptive cultures? Yeah, and, and I appreciate you asking me, even though I'm supposed to be the host here. Now you get to be the host. I think I was pretty good at creating opportunities for folks to think adaptively. But what comes to mind is, so I founded an art school. So that means kids are coming to this school to both excel academically and to excel artistically. And we could not get the schedule right. Um, now, that's a technical issue because that's, you know, a schedule is time, resources, teachers, right? And so... We had one schedule as we opened the school, and it just, it was awful. And so in the middle of the year, we shifted, and we said, okay, forget that schedule. We're going to do another schedule. And the kids erupted. They were so angry. We hadn't anticipated that. We thought the kids were going to be delighted. They were going to get more time in their arts. But to do that, we put ninth and 10th graders together. We thought that was a great idea. The kids, it's a little bit like what you were just talking about. The kids were furious. The ninth graders were like, I'm not working with 10th graders. The 10th graders were like, I'm not working with little kids. And we were, you're one year apart. 
How can it be so different? It's different. You don't understand high school. Parents had a fit. So we had to walk that one back. And then we had to really spend years thinking through what was the adaptation we were going for. You know, was it that, you know, the dance department would say, I can't do anything in less than two hour blocks. Really, I want two and a half because I have to warm up and then we have class and then we have theory and then we have this. I can't, and the math people were saying, I can't have a two and a half hour block. I wouldn't know what to do there. So we just kind of played ping pong back and forth, unable to make a schedule. We, we had 16 different schedules in the 15 years I was there. One of the things that I think we did well, finally, was we slowed down and we said, okay, we're gonna have a process from November to February to really think about the goals, not the technical changes, but the goals for this schedule. And anything we decide isn't for this year, it's for the following year. And I think that just lowered the temperature and it just gave people a chance to really say, well, what does that department need? And what do I need? And how do I understand learning in someone else's field? Because at the end of the day, it was that we weren't being generous or understanding or flexible with what other people needed. And the minute we could slow it down and bring lots of voices in, we had what was called a schedule-rama. It was almost, you know, it was fun if you, can, if, if you enjoy schedules. And people would put forward their schedules based on school goals. And they would, so we'd have lots of faculty meetings where we'd almost compete for what was the idea that made most sense and could most get us to our goals. But first we had to understand our collective goals. So I think the adaptation was a mindset shift that the whole child, whether they were a dancer, a musician, a visual artist, a theater kid, Whatever they were was more important than me, my adult culture. It's so easy to think of a problem as something you want to very quickly get rid of. Right. right. Kind of in a panic or in a, an anxiety attack. Let's, let's just, let, I want it to go away. And so I kind of devour it. And what you're saying is you've invited folks to look at it and to savor it and to understand it and to look at it and think about it from very different perspectives and lose the fear of the problem. Exactly, exactly. It was many years later that I was introduced to the Right Question Project, the question formulation technique, as a technique. I think if I had had that skill set, I would have used that protocol early days. I don't know if Heifetz ever mentions this in this way, but I think a quality of adaptive leadership is precisely putting yourself at the service of the needs of others. There it is. Rather than being the protagonist of your own needs and your own choices, right? How, how am I serving this dilemma? How am I serving? And I think you, you said it beautifully. It's not really about my needs right now, but it's about understanding the, what the situation and the, and the other stakeholders need and how I can serve them or how I can help them see the situation from a completely new perspective. 
Well, thank you, my friend. This was wonderful. Great talking to you always. All right. Thank you. Let's now hear from Dr. Pena as we work through the differences between technical and adaptive challenges. Okay. Hola, hola. Gracias por hacer esta pequeña entrevista conmigo. Gracias, Rodney. Thank you for doing this little interview for this podcast that I'm doing for you and your colleagues about adaptive challenges. So first, would you just introduce yourself and however you'd like to. Buenas tardes. Good afternoon. My name is uh, Dr. Peña. I'm here with Dr. Linda Nathan. We're doing this wonderful podcast for you people. Uh, this year, it's my first year as a uh, high school principal. I inherited a building without any proper structures in place. Uh, when I say structures, I'm talking about structures such as Cardi policy, <clears throat> Dresco policy, electronic policy. So the policies that were in that were adapted by the school committee have not been implemented in my building. Mm. So as a new principal, I believe in creating a learning environment. How do we create a learning environment? We create a learning environment by eliminating the chaos and providing students with a safe learning environment. Uh, in order for that, we are enforcing the policies that were set by the school committee. So the policies are no, no use of electronics during academic instruction or in the hallways. Also, the ID policy was also enforced or, or is enforced now. Students have to have an ID. Staff and students must be wearing their IDs at all times. One of the difficulties that I'm having is with <clears throat> new staff enforcing the electronic policy in the classrooms. I just these are like the best best examples of technical challenges. Okay. All of these have terrific and clear solutions to me. And I've walked your building and I've seen the kids are wearing their IDs and you know one out of every 20 kids had earphones or headphones on and the minute they see you they take them off so clearly you have led your school successfully in addressing that technical challenge but what's what's the adaptive challenge underneath the enforcing of policy like what's going on for your faculty who don't enforce the policy i they need to trust the process uh and that's a message that you know it, it sounds simple and you know it comes from i guess belichick and the new england Patriots, but if they need to trust the process they need to understand that what we're doing now the work we're doing enforcing the policies is to make sure we create the academic institution that we all want 
by creating an academic institution, an institution of learning, we are going to see the scores, better scores in the future. And we also going to teach our students that the value of learning. Yeah. So this is what I'm having the challenge is, especially with new staff. We have so many new teachers like this year alone, we have 30 new teachers. And going back three years, so, you know, they have we have the pandemic, then we have two years with a new principal and the policies were not enforced. So there are members of the faculty that have not experienced what is to enforce a policy. Yeah. And uh, that's my biggest that's great. challenge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the adaptive challenge, tell me if I'm getting it, is how to create a high performing academic institution of learning. That's really the challenge. And what you've expressed to us is your belief which I happen to agree with, that you can't get to a high quality academic institution of learning if it's chaotic. Because as you said so well, kids need structures, kids need to feel safe. But thank you, thank you for sharing that. I don't wanna belabor it. Um, we'll keep chatting, thank you. You're welcome.